Welcome back to Property Management Madness. Property management is crazy. So let's talk about it. Pull up a seat, pull up a drink. We'll wait while you get ready. All right, I'm your host, Shauna. And I'm your co-host, Jay. And Jay, today we have another guest. Very exciting. <laughs> so um, our guest today is Mike Kading. Um, he is the CEO of Norhart. So I'm glad that you were able to be on the show with us today, Mike. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So um, kind of introduce yourself, let the audience know, you know, what you do, who you are, what you kind of specialize in, and then we're going to kind of ask you a whole bunch of slew of questions, harass you a little bit, and we're going to have a good time. So uh, take it away. <laughs> I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> so yeah, I'm the CEO of Norhart. What we do is we design, build, and rent apartments, but we're really focused on driving down the cost of construction. We've been achieving about a 20 to 30% reduction in those costs. And we believe wow. that over time we can reach a 50% reduction. Wow. But imagine what that means. It means someday your rent could be half or your mortgage payment could be half. And that's our dream to ultimately solve America's housing affordability crisis. Yeah, that, that, is amazing. that is, I mean, you hear about it all the time, you know, the affordability crisis, affordability crisis, afford, I mean, I know, I know Jay hears that he works in conventional, yes, I, I, work, I work in section eight tax credit, affordable housing. So like that kind of, you know, niche of people, not necessarily actually affordable housing, but, um, you know, that kind of niche of people that are now priced out of the market are kind of like my specialty. So we see mm. it, you know, we see it everywhere in, in big cities, small, little, tiny rural cities. Um, you know, how do you kind of take that, you know, that's a big dream, you know, that that's huge. Yeah. Like, how did that even start? I mean, was it just hearing it on the news, like affordability crisis, like what's happening? You know, people can't afford to live. Was it that or was it like an aha moment? Like, how did that happen? Yeah, it originally started as a family business. My parents started wow. it many years ago. Yeah. And we were building just really small apartment buildings at the time, just a few units at a time. I remember growing up, my parents actually lost everything. My dad was, in fact, kidnapped in Peru. It's pretty oh extreme. I know. And so I grew up with it, though. We kind of grew everything back. We built buildings while I was growing up. And then I went off to school, and I wanted nothing to do with the family business. Mm. And the reason that was is I didn't want people to think it was given to me. Yeah. Yeah. So I had that I ego that. inside of me. Yeah, that I had a wrestle with and kind of get past but what i realized deep down is that i just wanted to make some kind of meaningful positive impact in the world and i realized if i can jump into my family business and grow it from there there was a better chance of me having that kind of world impact so got past my own ego jumped in with my dad and my dad and i doubled the size of the company within the first couple of years of working together and then wow. one day my dad um unexpectedly passed away oh, overnight i lost yeah I, I lost my dad and i became ceo of the company and i didn't feel like i had earned it i didn't feel like i was worthy of it in fact i didn't take the title of ceo for many years but i think it was in sort of that moment where i realized how short life really is 
For I sure. only live about 5,000 weeks here on Earth, and I don't want to waste the minutes that we have on this Earth, at least for Absolutely. me. Absolutely. And so that was sort of the genesis of wanting to make so that bigger positive impact. Yeah. And to realize that we could do that through driving down the cost of construction. Yeah, that's great. That's I feel like you went from like kidnapped father, like a like a rags to riches <laughs> kind of thing right now, like a Cinderella moment. That's awesome. That's yeah, that's you know, that's yeah. I, I definitely respect that that you didn't want to feel like you know it was just given to you. Yeah. You know, I I've worked with people in the past that have had that you know kind of thought that they're like I want I wanted to work my way up. I wanted to show that you know this wasn't given to me. I actually. Did this i actually contributed to make this happen yeah and uh, like that's an amazing story just um you know thinking i maybe i don't want to do this or maybe i want to go in another direction and then diving back in and building the company up to something yeah. you really believe in that's amazing yeah i i agree i think that when your sole goal you know, and, and to me, it sounds like it, you know, a lot of times we, we talk about, you know, companies, Jay and I, we talk about companies and, you know, property management, and the goal is to make money hand over fist, mm -hmm. right? Like mm -hmm. that's investors goals. So we, like, this is a really good way of seeing the other side of the coin. Like, it's not about, you know, making money hand over fist. This is about, you know, how do I make the biggest impact on the world? Yeah. You know, this is, this is now my goal. How do I make an impact on the small guy? So you talk about, you know, like the cost of construction, how did you start, you know, lowering that? I think that everybody's idea is, um, you know, we always want things cheaper. <laughs> so how do you actually, how does that come to fruition? You know, how does that like, actually that happen? Cost? Right. And then like, you slowly see it continually to decline because you know we're all used to the prices constantly going up so yeah. how do you how does that even that sounds like witchcraft how do you make that work yeah there's so much that goes into that tell you us everything. Very, all your trades all right we're gonna be here for quite a while <laughs> but at a very simple level if you look at other industries like manufacturing they've improved labor productivity by 700 and 60% over the past 60 years. Yes, they have. Agriculture has improved it by 1,500%, but construction, done nothing. Well, 10%, but basically nothing, right? Yeah. So we're taking the lessons learned from these other industries and applying it to our own. One example, in the world of construction, you have a bunch of different companies that come together to do one product. You have a different company that's an electrician, different company that's your general contractor, a different company that's the owner and property managers. We see that all the time. If, mm -hmm. yeah, if a construction company were to produce cars, you'd have a different company installing the windshield, a different company installing the door, and a different company installing the wheel. And then, of course, the wheel company would call you up and say, hey, I'm so sorry I got delayed on another project. I can't get out to you for two more weeks. Mm. Yeah. And your line would be shut down. Yeah. See, the world of manufacturing looks at us and says, we're crazy. And we respond and say, this is the way it's always been done. Right. So we brought all the work under one roof. And by doing that, we can enable some very simple techniques. One example is the assembly line. Yeah. I know, revolutionary, right? <laughs> but how in I mean, the don't, world... Don't try to fix something that's not broken, right? right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But how in the world can you take a building and drive it down a line? Well, you can't, but what you can do 
is you can take the person and move them through the building. So right now in our buildings, every five hours, our teams move by one unit through the building. So the end of our building, every five hours, we have a brand new apartment unit completed. And that one technique takes a project that might take 15 months and drives it down to nine. But there are 10,000 little things like that that come together to really see the driving or driving down the construction costs that we're achieving. That's awesome. That's uh, you know, awesome. I always think about that when it's coming to like, you know, these huge projects, like I have a couple of buildings um, in, you know, one of the cities that I manage in um, that the buildings are in really, you know, they're in poor condition. They need a lot of work. Yeah. And that's the issue we have is I don't need just, you know, one person. I need mm -hmm. like a whole crew of people to go out there and figure out what all the problems are in these buildings. And, you know, I'm sending one out, but they can't do anything because of this. And I'm sending them out, but they can't do anything because of this. Mm -hmm. And it is driving me insane. Yeah. And I, like I keep saying to our maintenance division, I just need you to send everybody who does everything to this building so we can get it all figured all at out. The same Somebody, time on the like, same they're day. all going to need to talk to each other because that's the problem we keep running into is that they, they don't have these different trades there to talk to each other to see what each other needs. Yeah. And when you're doing something like that, you have everybody like I can imagine how that impacts costs because I'm spending money and doing nothing right now. Yeah. And it drives <laughs> me insane. And I'm sorry, I will be right back. I have to go turn off my computer. I know it keeps beeping right yeah, in I my ear. Jeez, way to be rude on our <laughs> podcast, Jay. Anyways, so I mean, we see that kind of difference for sure, like in just in the property management business, just in general, like if you have your maintenance guys at the time of turnover and they're able to do everything for you. So they, you know, they tear the unit down, they paint it, they, you know, if they have to put in new flooring or something like that, they're able to do that, change the appliances, you know, do whatever it is that needs to be done. And then they clean it and get it back on the market. And it is so much more efficient. Like, you know, Mike, like you were mentioning, it's so much more efficient to have everybody kind of working together, having that one person that can do all those things, because then you're not waiting on your painter to not show up for three weeks. <laughs> you just have like that well, one that floor guy happen. and you're like, dude, where are you at? <laughs> and you said you were going to be here at nine o'clock. It's two in the afternoon. It's like, sorry, man, uh, I'm a little hungover. Can I come in? I'll see you in three days. <laughs> no. Yeah, oh, come on, man. So if you have... It drives me nuts, too, yeah. when you have these people that come in and just do the little piece and they're not, you know, that's not my job. I can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. But I've seen it even worse than that. I've seen contractors come in and rip out the work that another contractor did because the other contractor's work is in their way. Yeah. Right? That kind of animosity toward each other creates yeah. a lot of friction, pain, and cost. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen that too. Just recently, I've seen that. Yeah. And it's maddening because when you're trying, you know, sometimes you're on a deadline with these things and Most you know, not even, you, know, you may not even be on a deadline. Like I may be working with a really like relaxed owners that like, you know, just get it done when you get it done, put it back on the market. Let me know how, what the rent is going to be. But, you know, a lot of people are dependent on this income. 
you know, mm-hmm. you know, owners, a lot of people have that mentality that owners have a, a lot of money, the investors, you know, oh, that's a rich guy who owns a bunch of property. It's not always the case. It's you not. know, some of these investors are people that own, you know, a few properties, but they're leveraged to high hell, like they yeah. owe a bunch of money on them, and they need them to be back on the market. And, their and it's not paying rent. Yeah, some and of them, and yeah, they need you to get this done quickly, efficiently, and, you know, as costs friendly as you can. Right. And I had a situation where they went and installed some cabinets over a gas meter because for some crazy reason, old house gas meter is under the cabinets in the kitchen instead of outside. And they were told, you know, don't install this one. We need to have the gas guy come out and, you know, reconnect the gas meter, turn it on, all this stuff. So when they went, they tore out this brand new cabinet and now we have to, that added cost because the contractors weren't talking to each other or whoever set up the work wasn't talking to each other. And now we have this added cost. And this is what is, you know, driving all these prices up, you know, our market, you know, I'm in conventional housing, you know, we go by whatever the market rate is. And, you know, sometimes owners are like, well, let's kick that up another $20. I need to make back some of this turnover cost and, you know, being more efficient, we'd be able to drive those prices down which yeah. would be something amazing to see in the industry as prices finally going the other way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I mean, we see it all the time. We see it all the time that, you know, the cost of lumber has gone up. So now it's going to cost, you know, instead of $1,600 for this turnover, like you would normally be expecting to pay, it's now going to be 2,500, three grand mm. out the door. And then you got to tell your owner and then they have a stroke right there on the phone with you and they're like oh god yeah i mean it it's yeah it's taxing so i can understand like this is a really it's a, this is an incredible concept to me so how do you overcome the obstacles like even as you face cuz i i think that we're still like this is this is still the dream right? Like we're, we're still living the dream. We're, you know, driving these prices down. We're, we're seeing it, but is this going to last forever? You know, you, there has to still be hiccups. So like, what kind of obstacles do you still hit, even though you've kind of like zoned in, tried to perfect this? this? Yeah. Like, let's try to perfect this. I know that nothing's perfect. So what, except for me, speak for yourself. Oh, shut up. (laughs) So like, what, what do you face? as like oh, we still so constantly see problems like nothing's going to be perfect it's okay guys like i know that this is hard <laughs> so what you know what's kind of like your where are your aches and pains at still it's all the time and the the key here is that you build up an infrastructure a team and capacity <laughs> to be able to solve those problems as you get hit with them you yeah. talked about lumber so last year when prices went sky high with lumber and yeah. a variety of other materials we got hit with the same problem. In fact, yeah. the prices went up by tenfold. Yeah. Right? We yep. can't afford that. So what do we do in this that situation? We went and we built out our entire own supply chain and started purchasing directly from manufacturers and built a whole infrastructure just to handle that. So that way we're actually getting the lower prices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it it worked. And now yeah. that problem became an opportunity because the pricing came back down the whole market. Mm-hmm. Now our costs are even less today. Yeah. Another example is interest rates. A oh, lot of projects God. right now are not penciling. And nationwide, I think we're down for multifamily starts or new construction by 70%. 
And then in the area that I'm in, in Minnesota, it's down by 90%. Wow. And the reason that is, is because the, the interest rates are so high. Yeah. So we're faced with the same thing. What are we doing to solving it? We're actually launching a new investment platform. We, we said, why couldn't we just become the bank and let investors invest directly and get that higher rate of return, get the bank's profits, and, uh, and for us to be able to continue doing what we're doing. So we yeah. launched that platform a few months ago, and that's been growing quite rapidly. So with every challenge that comes up, that's an opportunity to yeah. make change, to solve those problems, and actually put yourself in a better spot long term. So that's awesome. Yeah, and then yeah. you become that one-stop shop. That's what I was going to say. You kind of got your hand in every cookie jar here. So yeah. you can Jack streamline all it all and do it all. You know, you know, at the company I work for, we try, we have been trying very hard to, you know, have our hand in the cookie jar everywhere. And then sometimes we spread ourselves a little too thin, you know, it doesn't work. yeah. And like, it's something that we've been trying for a while. So yeah. I actually have a, a question because you said you, build these uh, multifamily properties and everything. Do you manage all of your own properties as well? Do you need a property manager? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, right now we have our entire own property management team. So we do everything from property management all the way to engineering, architecture, even manufacturing, component supply chain, the whole nine yards. I love That's it. Awesome. Right on over to Michigan. We'll come work for you. Yeah. <laughs> You're not too far. No. That's enough. Yeah, it's fine. So that... Yeah, that's incredible. That's incredible. So one of the things that we, we talked to um, uh, one of our, or what our last guests about, like, how do you find that place? Like it's all location, 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 right? Hmm. How do you find the market and find the place where you know that putting you know, your, your investment there is going to be a good idea. Like what sort of things in the market do you look for in um, those types of specific areas? Yeah. So I'll give you two answers to this. The first is the more conventional answer. And then I'll give you the second one, a little less conventional, but conventionally we look at things like population. We look at commercial zoning nearby. We look at transportation nearby our newest property. Uh, is a seven-story building that's right at the new transit line, right in a very up-and-coming part of the Twin Cities. Great commercial zoning right nearby, lots of amenities. Um, so it's sort of those sorts of factors that we look at. That's conventional. But non-conventional, one of the benefits of driving down costs is that we can then provide, we look more at, production levels. Mm -hmm. So we want to be able to produce a lot of units for a given marketplace. Right. And we actually care a little less about zoning because we don't need to maximize every last dollar and NOI. Mm -hmm. Instead, we're focused on driving down the cost of construction. So our NOI is a lot better than everyone else to begin with. And then for us, it's more of a volume game producing enough in a certain area. Okay. So you're not necessarily looking at maybe some of the same things that other people would be looking at, like, um, like stability and things like that. You're, you could be looking at, is this place going to be up and coming? You know, is this going to be a good place to put something like we, like J Jay and I are in the Detroit area. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Detroit, everybody, I think we can we all collectively, right. I think we can all collectively agree that Detroit, 
pretty much died 50 years ago but it's been coming uh, back to life yeah it's it's, it's been coming back to life so especially in my lifetime like yeah. everybody since i was a kid they're like oh detroit's coming back and i was like yeah okay whatever but now yeah. i'm like wow detroit's coming back because yeah. you never go there every time she goes there she's like oh wow this has changed i'm like you i don't go here. there because Calm the down. potholes are too big okay but they're <laughs> like, not anymore i can attest to that they fixed a lot of them <laughs> some of them uh, but no we that's what we were uh talking about on one of our last shows is that there's so much available property in detroit because and general. It, yeah and land in general because um like i said last time the entire neighborhood where my mom grew up in detroit is gone there's one house left on the entire block and wow. they're working like they're building from the inside out so yeah. downtown Detroit, it's beautiful. It's a, it's got a great nightlife. There's all kinds of, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff going on downtown. And as you, you know, get to the outskirts, you know, it gets a little worse, a little worse, a little worse. But those are the areas now that they're starting to focus on. So now we're, you know, the city's starting to, you know, approve buildings for all of these empty lots and empty buildings, empty spaces to do things with this. Yeah. And um, I think in my opinion right now, it's an investor's paradise and some uh, sometimes because you know they can get good deals on you land they got a second mortgage jay i am not there yet <laughs> i'm not quite there yet um not quite not quite like Mike can let me get a roof on my house me. first i, I still yeah. need to get a roof on my house oh yeah um, we forgot about your leaky ass house <laughs> Because we're real people, okay? Like, we have roof leaks, just like everybody um, else that happens. But we talk about that all the time, um, that, you know, Detroit's up and coming. And, you know, it sounds like what you're doing, um, you know, we Detroit would benefit by somebody coming down here and saying, hey, you know what? You know, th this would be a great place for a housing project because there are there's a shortage of housing in Detroit there and really affordable is. housing in Detroit. Yeah. So because I, everything that's down there, you know, they, they turn these old historic homes into like duplexes or quads. I mean, and they are price, priced outrageously, oh yeah. outrageously like and affordable housing and people who, who want to live in those types of areas that want to live, you know, they, they don't want to have to like take the shirt off their back. You know, they, these people are, you know, young professionals who want to be in that hip area, you know, in the hustle, in the bustle, and they could afford decent rent. They just can't afford, you know, $3,000, you know, and then you have to live with like 16 roommates. Like nobody wants that. Yeah. I don't nobody wants like my brother that. living here. I don't need <laughs> 15 other people in my house. Yeah, like that's just too much. So I, I really do think that there is, there's a need. And I, I think that it's so funny that you said like conventionally, these are the things that we look for, but non-conventionally kind of doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> like we just, we were like, oh, is my spidey senses tingling? Let's put a unit here. <laughs> like, I love that. I love that. Well, so, if you look at the market right now, we talked about how the new multifamily starts, new buildings going up are dropping by 90% in the Twin Cities. There's still a pipeline of things being built, but mm. starting new projects has fallen substantially. Yeah, We're still growing, right? Yeah. And so the reason that is, again, because our costs are low enough that we can still produce those buildings. They still pencil for us. We're now for other developers, they don't. And that's sort of the, the buffer that we get that others don't have. Yeah, I mean, and, and we, you know, we talk about, you know, on the show a lot that some of these projects that these other investors are in, I mean, they're in it for 
two, three, four, five years, and it's finally happening. And now all of these prices are, are slowly changing. So now like it might not be actually the best time for them yeah, to be in it. When they started five years ago, it was here, but right. now the project is just now getting done. And they're like, Oh hell, what do I do now? Because uh, the market had changed so much. Right. And it, you know, it's hard to keep up. Yeah. And and then when you you it drives me crazy sometimes. You see it like you'll 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 see that that kind of that growth and that development where all these people from five years ago are finally, you know, getting the cranes in the sky and then it just slowly peters out because well, people are like sounds like Mike mm, here has <laughs> good way of doing this we just need to get them over here to help everybody <laughs> tell everybody else how to do this right um, so mike uh we're just gonna start pimping you out to all the investors out here and say you know what you need to talk to mike because he already knows how to do this in the smart way the smart and way to do listen this. i've seen so many projects done the dumb way and i'm not like I know how to do general maintenance. I, I have done remodels. I, I've done this stuff myself. So I, I know when I'm watching somebody do work and and it's being done inefficiently. Yeah. And I just want to scream. And if I had hair, I would pull it out. And but in those instances, I'm not the investor. I didn't hire them. It's not up to me to tell them oh, do what it are nice, you doing? Why are you doing this? Yes. Yeah. Why are you why are you putting that in why are you putting a toilet in and there's not even any plumbing like it, some things just don't make sense do it nice yeah. <laughs> yeah so how do you market i was i, I want to get into this i really because one of the things that we struggle with at, at my company right now is that some of our properties are in pretty rural areas and we just are like i i don't know like these people moved away. I don't know what to do. Like, so how do you market your, your units as like, I mean, are you, are you like, you know, we're, we're cheaper and, you know, our fixtures and everything are above, you know, the market average, uh, come and live with us. Like what, what sort of things bring people in? Because you can, you can build and build and build and build, but if you don't got anybody living there, you know, you're not making any money. Yeah. So how, how do you market that? Or does it just happen? I mean, I, I, that could very well happen too. <laughs> like people just see it and they're like, Oh, I want to live there. If you build it. They will come. Yeah. <laughs> location, location, location. Yeah. So uh, a few different things. The first you got to get right is the property and the resident experience. Yeah. And so like our newest property, seven stories has penthouse suites, pool, coffee shop, restaurant, thousands of square feet of, of uh, amenity space, co-working space, movie theater, you know, everything in one place. Oh, wow. Where's it? Here's a downtown. <laughs> yeah. A movie it's right theater. At, yeah, it's right about. at the intersection of uh, major highways right there, here yeah. in, the, in the Twin Cities. So what's interesting, just getting that great property in line, like, we're not even open yet and we've got a waiting list that is multiple times larger than the number of units that we even have in that project right so that's sort of step one uh we also think about branding so our properties now are branded as norhart properties not just individual building properties that gives us a little extra uh push there um the customer experience the creating an amazing experience that starts really with the employees first mm -hmm. yeah that's a key aspect of this and then there's just the tangible stuff, right? There's listing analysis. We do a lot of Google and Facebook 
advertising to supplement that. Mm. But I think the kind of extra berry dust that we do beyond all of that is one of the things I've been learning is most business owners understand the importance of the, the dollar and cash flow within the business. I think a lot of business owners don't really deeply understand the value of attention. Mm -hmm. And clearly you guys do with this podcast. But if well, you look you. at someone like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you look at someone like Gordon Ramsay, right? World famous chef, the host of Hell's Kitchen. If you go to one of his restaurants in Las Vegas, like Burger, for example, it's at least a 45 minute wait anytime yeah. you show up for that restaurant. Now, if you look across the aisle, same casinos, same amazing chefs, same amazing staff, credible food. The other restaurants are not nearly as busy. They're probably 10 times less busy. But what's the difference between Gordon Ramsay's restaurant and everyone else? It's the fact that he's built the audience that he's got no like and trust factor with them. And we're starting to spend a lot more time on building that connection directly with people, yeah. with being on podcasts, being on TV, creating our own podcasts and connecting with people on yeah. social media. Uh, and that's having an impact on what we're doing as well. And that's really the, the super, supercharging pill of all of it. Yeah, oh, I, I've seen that. Oh, I'm sorry. We, we are going to have. All right. So I know we were uh, just talking about uh, social media and um, how you apply those different things. And when you're looking for, or when you're doing your um, advertising and everything like that. So I know that's something that my company has struggled with. We're working on Thanks. the socials um, and everything like that. And I love that you do people sourcing and things like you said, uh, when you're looking for where to build and everything. So um, tell me a little bit about your, your socials. Like, um, we've set up things like uh, Instagram and Facebook, and uh, we're going to be doing Have you TikTok. been TikTok dancing? I, if, uh, what do you want me to I can't dance. I can't do that. That doesn't matter. Uh, TikTok doesn't care. Do you TikTok dance for your for uh, your company? Mm, then you're I mean, failing. You're failing. Uh, Just tell him he's failing, Mike. <laughs> all right. Shauna's out. Goodbye, Shauna. Uh, so, <laughs> TikTok dance uh, for my company. How do you? Oh, we just lost... All right, so Shauna's now in charge of TikTok dancing, but I will um, be in charge of TikTok dancing. <laughs> but um, how do you apply like social medias and um, you know to your company? Like we've we're we're so slow to this whole thing and trying yeah. to get it all up and going. Like we have an online presence, we have a website, um, even for our company or our umbrella of companies, each one has a website, but we haven't been able to break into doing all the socials and things. So do you utilize all the different platforms? Yeah, we do. Um, but what I say, what I'll say that doesn't work is just posting general things about your property. I, th I yeah. think that's good and people get a better sense of who you are. So don't get me wrong. That's a good step to go. But for, for people that are not necessarily looking for you, they don't care right? You yeah. need to give them a reason to care about what you're actually posting. Yeah. And so when we post content, the biggest, most important thing to think about is the hook of that content. It's yeah. the first few seconds, why, and telling people why they actually want to engage, why they want to listen to this little bit that you're doing, and then to really deliver on that hook and then end it quickly. Uh, so we have a variety of things for our business, but I'll give you one example Do you dance? for one of our shows. <laughs> I don't, but I would. 
<laughs> well, when Mike gets on the camera with me, we'll do a TikTok dance together. Okay. That's the deal being made. There right we go. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll give you one example of one uh, video we did that ended up being really successful. What we did is uh, my daughter wanted to give out candy to the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So we took one of our dump trucks, filled it to the brim full of candy, and drove it around the neighborhood throwing out candy to the neighbors. And then we ended up donating the candy away. But the hook was about what would a kid, what would a five-year-old do with a truck full of candy? Right. And that video exploded, right? But you can see how you got to take a little bit of creativity, something yeah. different, and a really interesting hook. And if you right. do that, you'll see a success. If you just post about what your pool looks like, yeah. nobody cares. See, that's what Donna and I were uh, talking about is um, – when we're like, even for our own things, like our podcast and everything, yeah. um, it's about not just saying, Hey, we do a property management podcast. I mean, I will shamelessly plug myself. <laughs> like I will just be like, Hey, yeah. but it's, just so it's you not know. all just a property management podcast. It's information, it's yeah. laughs, it's, it, it's, it's suggestions. Not it's not marketing. And we just want to put it out there for, you know, people to be able to listen to and maybe learn something. Yeah. And the same for the company I work for, um, talking about social medias. And really, it's getting everyone to buy in to, you know, doing everything because sometimes, you know, you have to have, you know, the staff, the everybody, the owners um, buy in for, you know, doing this. But yeah. um, when I've talked to them about it, it's not we're not just going to sit there and talk about, you know, just what we do because yeah. who's going to want to listen to that? Cares. Nobody's going to yeah. want to listen to that. It's not going to draw people towards you. It's mm -hmm. not interesting. I mean, you yeah. can look at my sign and see we do property management, right? That's not what this is for. This, the point is to draw people in to ask questions yeah. or to put your name on their mind and, and having something that's more entertaining or yeah, memorable. like really memorable like that like going out with a candy truck with with your daughter like yeah. that's amazing and i think that you know that's a great idea for any company looking yeah. to use socials it's just learning how to apply it in a broad way i think that that's company. great too i mean because we see it as you know as entertainment you know we have like wendy's on twitter and it's just like they just go through and just like fry people's lives. <laughs> like it's, that's who Wendy's is on Twitter. And then there's like Scrub Daddy, uh, like the sponge company, like on on TikTok, and they make all sorts of just ridiculous content that really has nothing to do with the sponge at all. It's just hilarious. And yeah. then you remember, oh yeah, that was the Scrub Daddy thing. Mm -hmm. I love Scrub yeah, Daddy, anyways. That's another mind. shameless plug for uh, people who are cleaning units. If you don't <laughs> subscribe to the Scrub Daddy, you definitely should. It's fantastic. Are you getting paid for that? I am not, but I think that the owner might pay me if people mention my name enough. Anyways, um, Scrub Daddy is such a good example, though. It is. Like, it's not. It's not marketing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, who would think that marketing a sponge on social media would be anything? Yeah. The way they do it is so clever. It's yeah. It's different. It's unique. It makes it draws you in. It brings yeah. a level of curiosity. You just have to watch more and it just yeah. changes the game. And that's what we're talking about here. Do it well. You need to follow yeah. a path like Scrub Daddy has done. Yeah. Like that that's one of my perfect yeah. examples. Like I'll just go on TikTok and just like look up Scrub Daddy sponges so I can watch their TikToks because they are hilarious. And TikTok and is dangerous though. I it, go on TikTok and I'm 
end up four hours in the future and i'm like how did i get here yeah like (laughs) now it's four o'clock in the morning and i've been watching tiktok videos for four hours yeah all right so that's how like how i envision it is seeing like getting something more entertaining about whatever it is you're doing out there but you know, finding a creative way to apply that to whatever business you're working for. And it sounds like you guys are doing that right now. Yeah. And um, I think everybody, every yep. company could use yeah. it. Yeah. A bunch of ideas. And then we look like uh, roast each other for those ideas. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, I'm, that's I'm not very good. It's going to be interesting. That. But eventually, that process of creative back and forth, we discover things like the candy truck, but there's a bunch of stuff that we've been doing like that. Yeah. And I I think that a lot of your marketing, um, you know, Mike, like you mentioned, I think that it has to be attention getting and just saying, you know, just being there in a suit and tie, I can just imagine being there in a suit and tie, but like, we have apartments (laughs) and they're really good apartments. Come look at our pool. Right. Come look at our pool. (laughs) Like, you're not uh, saying how you're different boring. from anybody else. Yeah, it's boring. Nobody cares. Like they just shut it off. It's like an infomercial. Nobody cares anymore. And I think that you have to grab people's attention and kind of show them. I mean, no different than your apartment, you know, or your uh, branding itself. You have to show them how you're different than your competitor. Yeah. Like this is me as the owner of the company, like be, you know, doing ridiculous, like ridiculous stuff. I like, I have a candy truck, you know, and I'm like, you know, and like, there's, there's a lot that's, that goes into like how you market yourself like that. That's not technically marketing, you know, to your apartment, but it says a lot about who you are as a company Mm -hmm. and it changes how people think about your brand. And I know you mentioned. And it gets your marketing out there yeah like you're not just talking about what the business is but you're doing something entertaining that involves your business yeah so it gets Mm -hmm. your name on people's minds without them even thinking about it like they're watching something entertaining something that is grabbing their attention but really it's a campaign to help you and what you're doing in a fun way Yeah. And then like, you know, like you said, Mike, you have all of your properties now are all branded as Norhart properties. So when you have a crazy, you know, fun video like that, that goes viral, people are like, oh, that's a Norhart property. That's the Norhart guy. Like, I know that. And then like, they kind of link that together and it doesn't even have to be about, you know, about the apartments. And I, I just, I always... I try, I try to keep like explaining this to people like we're not, this isn't the eighties. Like we are in a different type of era. We need to upgrade and updo the way that we think about advertising. Yeah. How would you know anything about the eighties? You're a child. I wasn't even born yet. I know you weren't. <laughs> I've watched a lot of movies. Old uh, man. She likes to call me old man <laughs> all the time. Although, you know, I did just break ribs getting a hug. So I guess frail I old guess I am. man. Because um, I am turning 40 next month. And she loves to. Oh. Yeah, I'm going to get one of those cakes that's like half white and half black. And, you know, it's going to be like. And you got married? The in my 30s Single and then my 40s. Guy. Yeah. And then cry and eat the whole cake myself. I'm not gonna cry. No, no, no. actually, I actually am not worried about turning forty. I just think it's funny. Are you really? You are the first person that I met that broke their ribs while hugging. So that that's special. (laughs) To be fair, he he got hugged, hugged like bear hugged, Um, and he's just a frail. 
elderly old man. I told, I told my uh, um, you coworker know. See, that you know what happened, and she's right like, there. maybe you should tell people you got in a bar fight. <laughs> well, yeah, no, number one, nobody would believe that. Um, number two, I'm like. I like that. Like I broke my ribs in a funny way. It wasn't like a horrible way. Like I, I walked away from that hug. Like, oh my god, let's go play pool now. And and I did. Like that first night. Like when it happened. Like I felt the popping. And but I had like you know that compression shirt thing I wear. Um, just I lost a bunch of weight. So thing. I I wear this shirt underneath my clothes, and um, you know, it was like pushing on everything. So. I was a little sore that night, but I was like, oh, whatever. I went and played a few games of pool. And then the next day I'm like, oh my God, I think something else is wrong. And yeah, sure enough, there was. Um, old. So I'm an old man, man and I accept it. And I think it's the funniest way to break your ribs. So it wasn't anything tragic or scary or anything. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to tell the story about breaking my ribs from a hug because it's funny. Elderly. In fact, I think that's going to be. A, I'm going to make it into a TikTok for advertising. That's what I'm going to. That do. would. That would. That, work. That, yeah, that, that would be interesting. That'd be a, a, something to catch people's attention. Oh like, my god! And by the way, I'm your property manager. Wheel me in in a wheelchair. God. Oh, Jesus! I'm changing the subject. Okay, so. <laughs> Let's get back on topic. Thank you very much that for that totally little topic. That caveat. wasn't a tangent at all. It wasn't. It was fantastic. 10 out of 10. Applicable. It's very applicable. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about, we're talking about branding and how, I mean, at the end of the day, your brand is your people. You know, you, yeah. you're talking about retention mm -hmm. and you're talking about customer service, you know, in like the very beginning when we started this episode, you're like, these things are important. This is what drives people in and keeps people there. So how, I mean, anybody who's been in this industry long enough knows how important this is, but as the expert in your industry, how important is it to have good people? And why is it important to have good people? The right people in the right seats. Jay and I, we will talk about this uh, until yeah. we're blue in the face, until we get wrinkle. Oh, never mind. He already has those. Oh, <laughs> until we get gray thing. hair. Um, you know, that having the right people in the right spots is so, so, so important. From your perspective, yeah. like why? Why is that important? Yeah. You know, the number one most important lesson I've ever learned in life when it comes to business is to hire the very best mm -hmm. people. And when I say the best, I truly mean the world's best. Some of our employees will actually fly in from other states to come work during the week and we will fly them home on the weekend. One of our employees in 2007, Steve Jobs, announces the iPhone. Steve Jobs walks off stage and our employee walks on that same stage following Steve Jobs' announcement. It's that kind of caliber of person. And the thing is, when you get that caliber of person involved, they change things. Yeah, yeah. They unlock doors that you didn't know could be unlocked. They make things happen that you had no idea were even possible. Yep. But oftentimes people yep. look at me at this point and say, Mike, that sounds expensive. <laughs> I was gonna and say, the that truth sounds like is, I can't afford that. 
<laughs> yeah. And the truth is, it is expensive. Yeah. It's expensive on a per person basis. Yeah. But what most people fail to understand is that the best people outperform the average mm -hmm. by two to five to even 10 times as much. Yep. And so instead, if you look at a, at a cost per unit produced, the best people are actually your the least cheapest. expensive. Yep. So for those that think they can't afford to hire the best, how do you afford? I not tell to? them mm -hmm. you can't afford not to. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And we have been in those <laughs> in those situations a lot. Yeah. Um, where you know I know what I need in in an employee or in a peer to come in and help yeah. me do things. I know what's needed, and I know what it's going to cost. Like I right. know what like i know what my worth is i know what the worth of the job is yeah and if you're bringing your knowledge and expertise in you should be compensated for your knowledge and expertise yeah um we've both been there in the past being the ones who really are the only ones that know how to yeah. do most of the things like, in there's the company. 10 other and, people that work here and the only person and, that actually works here is me that's great yeah and blowing people's minds like oh i didn't know you can do that i'm like really you've had this system forever yeah um but that's what i like to do when i go in somewhere is to bring my knowledge and yeah. to teach people you know how i got here yeah. so if there's already people there that should know how to do these things, imparting that knowledge and instead of you know just going and doing it on myself, you know making it better than it was when I when I got there. Yeah. And when I'm talking about bringing on like a new property manager, or a new community manager, or a new uh, receptionist, whatever whoever it may be, mm -hmm. I know what that person is worth, and I know the you know the fight that I sometimes get when it comes to how much that person is going to cost, but yeah. the cost you know the productivity and the work that's going to get done and you know all the things that they can bring to the table is going to outweigh yeah. that wage you're paying yeah. because they're going to help you streamline things they're going to help get rid of things that you don't need to do that could be automated there's so many times where i see you know there's all these little things that are being done that could just be automated and you can free that person up to do the work that actually matters the work that's actually making mm -hmm. the money, the work that's, you know, bringing in new clients or yeah. enabling you to expand your portfolio and manage more. Because when you get rid of all the minutiae, all the stuff that, you know, doesn't be matter, automated, that doesn't matter yeah. then that opens that person up to be able to actually work to make the company more money. Yeah. So, and at the end of the year, they are worth their wage they're yeah. worth paying the right people for the right seat and hiring the right person yeah. for the right seat yeah i will die on that hill yeah exactly i mean we talk about it all the time you know just jay and i we we always say how important it is that when you are looking to hire people that you are hiring the best person that fits in that seat and that that goes beyond just can they do the job because they mm -hmm. could be the greatest person at their job and they could just be trash absolute trash for your company culture like they don't mesh very well they don't fit in they have like a completely different idea of what working at this company or working in general should look like and then you know they can do the job that's great but if they can't mesh with your people mm. they're costing you money 
And sometimes it's sometimes it's about moving people's seats. If they don't yeah. fit in one seat and that job isn't, you know, it's just, you know, it's not their passion. When somebody's working in a position that is not their passion, they're they not gonna might be, not be a yeah. good person to work with. Like yeah. they may be salty every time you walk in, but there might be another position within the company that they will excel at. So asking your employees and your staff questions and yeah. and actually listening to them to find out, you know what, maybe it's not this. Maybe I just need them to go work over here because yeah. they're going to be a lot better at this. This is what they really want to do. Yeah. It's their passion. Yeah. Genius, right? Mm -hmm. Understand what really makes them tick, what their passion is, what they really bring to the table. Name it. Let them know. Let others know. Mm -hmm. And then the key is, you just touched on it, is understand the nuance of how that's different than maybe the role that they're in. Yeah. And if you can just shift them a little bit, and sometimes it's just some of the job responsibilities they do, if you shift them a little bit so that they're perfectly aligned to their genius, their work productivity goes way up. Yeah. Their engagement, their passion, their drive, everything yeah. goes way up. And I think a lot of managers miss that mm -hmm. and they think it's just kind of a general fit, but no, it's a nuanced, yeah. critical fit to get right. Yeah, yeah it's not exactly. a one size fits all kind of thing. Yeah. Like, you know, following up with people, finding out what they like, what they can do, what they're passionate about, passionate about. That's where I think a lot of managers fail at. And yeah. I think that a lot. I've seen it so many times. A lot are really quick to just either pull the trigger and fire someone instead of talking about it more and figuring out if they're in the wrong seat or they the will just completely do the opposite and just mm -hmm. let it ride that way with a person who doesn't have the productivity, isn't doing the job, isn't meshing well with people, but they just let it go because, hey, I have somebody in that seat. I don't need to hire somebody. Yeah. Um, I've seen it so many times and, um, it's infuriate, infuriating sometimes because yeah. I just want to say, let's change things up a little bit. Let's like, ask the questions. Let's okay. get people in the right seat. Right. It's okay yeah. to make changes. Yeah. And I think that sometimes it has less to do with your job title and more to do with your job responsibilities. You know, and I, I mm -hmm. love, yeah. you know, Mike, like in the very beginning, you said that, you know, when your father passed, you became CEO, but you didn't say you were CEO. You didn't take that title because what you were doing didn't, you know, what the title didn't matter. It's the job responsibilities. I mean, and even if, if somebody who's the CEO of a company has, you know, can stay humble enough that they don't need that title, then I'm pretty sure your receptionist is going to be okay. Like yeah. <laughs> your property manager is going to be okay. Like it's about the job responsibilities and what they do every single day and helping people help themselves. Because I mean, I'll say this, this is, this is a hill I'll die on. There's nothing worse than going home at the end of the day and being like, I suck at this. Yeah. I suck. I did X, Y, Z all day long. And I just, I burned myself out. I'm burning myself at both ends of the candle and I suck. This sucks. You don't want to do that. Yeah. And it's really, it might not even be that you suck. It's just that you're not in the right seat. And if you don't feel like you're making an impact in yeah. what you're doing, you go home very defeated. Yeah. And I've been we've had employees that we've uh, decided to let go, not because they're bad people, because mm -hmm. we realized their genius didn't line up for the winning positions we yeah. had in the company. Yeah. So we actually helped them find new spots. But what's magical about that? 
is we've had people come back and thank us for firing them because yeah. they were unhappy, right? Coming mm -hmm. home every day, just feeling like you're not good at your job is yeah. awful. Yeah. And the, the wheel it takes to somehow like push yourself to go to a new job is tough. Yeah. So oh, the yeah. fact that we were able to help them do that, they are now in a better spot. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's, that's the thing. Sometimes you have to pull that trigger and do it, but it's all about making the right decision for the right reasons. You have all the information yeah. and you know, sometimes it is a groom them or broom them situation and they need to go find what they are passionate about. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's all about that conversation that you have yeah. and building that confidence. Years, number one, just because yeah, you, be doing. you come in and you don't, nobody knows everything about property management ever. No, I've, we've been doing it for as long as we have, and I will still learn something new every day. Yep. So, you know, fostering that, you know, that curiosity about learning. I mm -hmm. love when I get somebody in that really just wants to know everything. Yeah. And I'm like, listen, you're never going to know everything, but say it with enough confidence and they're going to think you do. Yes, um, but, you know, I just, I love fostering you know, that person that wants to grow in a, yeah. in a job, in a career and teaching them everything I know and how to actually, you know, I didn't get here by just sitting here quietly and, mm -hmm. you know, just sitting in the background and doing the bare minimum. Yeah. You know, if I didn't understand something, I looked it up. It, you know, if I didn't know how to use a system, I went to the help center and figured it out. Um, so I love when I get those self-starters in that really just yeah. want to just keep going and learn everything. Yeah. Um, so we kind of got on a tangent there, but, but I, <laughs> but I think that that's true. And I think that, I mean, we, it, it, I mean, it's still applicable I and mean, we can take that back to, you know, the company culture, if the company culture aligns with who you are as a person, you want to learn stuff, you want to advance, you want to grow, you want, you know, you're just, you're just a little hip baby, <laughs> just a little hip baby. And you want to grow up and flourish mm -hmm. you have to have you have to have a seat in the right place that's yep. going to allow that to happen yep. so mike like on a scale of one to ten i guess i'm just going to pull out our number one to ten like how important do you think company culture is in order to get the right people first of all and then why it's so important to have good culture so you can keep the right people because we can all you know, it, it's good if you can hire somebody, but if they don't stay, you know, you're back to square one. Yeah. It's foundational. If I had to give a number, it would be easily a 10. More, you know, we work really, really hard on culture. And there's a bunch of things that we do. I'll give you a couple of the more unique things. One is, so every six months we do an employer survey. Common, right? But we provide all that feedback to the staff. And then, so they get to see everything, the good, bad, and ugly. They get to see my scores. But now we're also publishing that on our website, right? Right, Because if we want to be honest about who we are and we want to honestly get better, let's be honest with the world about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It really forces us to improve. Yeah. Another thing that I do is I do every single orientation. So every time, it's every week we bring in new hires. I am there for them for a few hours and we go through orientation together, share stories and insights and perspectives of what our culture looks like and what I want to see out of them. Mm -hmm. Another key piece of it is you've got to find the great people to begin with. Yeah. So we struggled heavily, like everyone else in the industry, to hire on great people mm -hmm. initially. 
What we did differently to solve that problem, at this point in our company, we're about 100 employees. We hired 14 recruiters. Insanity, right? <laughs> 14 That's recruiters at that time in the company. But we started, we realized that if you just post a, a posting on Indeed, you're not going to get anyone great. Yeah. The best people are not looking for jobs. And so yeah. we started building out this army of people looking for those who are not looking for jobs so we could understand everyone in the market to find the best people. And now, because of all the work we're doing behind the culture, behind the hiring, we are now accepting, it's like 0.4%. 0.4% actually get through and get hired on in our company. But when we built all that out, now you have amazing people. And that's probably the biggest key to building a great culture yeah. is just bringing in great people to be in with. Yeah. I mean, and then, you, you know, we, we, we talk about 0.4, like the reason, part of the reason too, is that, you know, you're only hiring the best of the best, but then you don't have a lot of turnover. Yeah. So you're not replacing people all the time. You know, you're not at like two or five or 10% because you're constantly having that turnover. So what we're looking for, ideally, I mean, you're never going to have no turnover at all, but what you do have is small and it's manageable. And it's the people who are leaving are being replaced with people who are better or are at the same caliber of somebody who was fantastic, mm -hmm. who's, you know, whose shoes that they're going to fill and, you know, kind of run with it. And I mean, that's the hope of everybody, I think. So, yeah. And but that's I think, all about, right, you know, right person, right fit, right seat, you know, asking, you know, all those questions, understanding what, you know, what I'm looking for, what they're looking for, and, you know, making sure that there is a fit. Like we've all been through the, I've hired, property manager after property manager and yeah i've done I spent all this money on training spent all my time doing this and they're gone after a month yeah and you know it's it's hard yeah it's hard and especially if you're working for you know a smaller company when you have turnover like that it's really difficult to deal with it really does affect yeah. everyone in the office because you know there's that whole load of properties that that need more attention. Well, I mean, especially for you. I mean, yeah. you, you're in an office of like 10 people. Uh, like, my my crew right now is really small because of, you know, so many different changes and yeah. changing focus and changing how the entire company works right now. Yeah. So, oh my God, it's a lot right now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I have my one property manager, my one assistant, my maintenance team, my VA, my receptionist and property manager assistant. Um, and I've got one foot in the property management and the director of ops role. Right. And, you know, right now it's a lot until we the find pan and into the fire. Yeah, so it's, I, I'm cooked. Well, I mean, uh, they'll but... be nice to you. You got a broken rib, two broken ribs. I'm yes, sorry. They were actually very <laughs> nice to me. My, one, uh, my, my property manager actually had a pillow shipped to my house today oh. because she was like, it's going to help you sleep tonight. So I thought that was, it was so sweet. <laughs> Um, but she's fostering quality like, relationships is, right there. She is, I, she's a very hard worker. Um, but you know, it's hard when a company is changing focus and, you know, kind of building different things. And now we've, you know, just got to build up the talent base yeah. and who we have in the office yeah. that's next. Yeah.
So I think, I think that that's, that's for sure. But, um, well, we're running out of time. We're getting the five finger countdown. So Mike, I just want to thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. We absolutely will have you back as long as you'll have us. Um, (laughs) So there's absolutely more that you can talk about. You guys are great. (laughs) Thank you. And (laughs) I was going to say, like, if you wanted to go another round, we could do another 30 minutes, totally up to you. Um, but I, we loved having you here today. Yeah, I, absolutely. So, we, you know, there's so much more that we can talk about, things that we can touch base on. So we'll definitely have you again. We certainly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. This has been great. 